Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode number 227 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, and entrepreneur. And here today, bringing you another episode with someone who I adore. Uh, I have worked with Ellie for the last couple of years, maybe a little longer than that. She is a fantastic person. And her specialty, she is a health and nutrition coach. And of course, from the moment we started talking about this stuff, I was intrigued because as you know, this has been a huge part of my journey, especially the last few years where I've really been digging into understanding food better and not from a weight loss standpoint. And I want to be really clear about that because we can get so unhealthy with our thoughts and our habits around food. And that's the part I want to stay away from. You know, it is, food is its own drug. And any of us that have compulsive tendencies, (laughs) whether that's full-blown addiction or not, Anytime we go through emotional things, right? Like it's so common to turn to food to get that sense of comfort and to get that hit. You know, I'm always chasing the hit in whatever way, a million ways. But this is something that's so prevalent in our community and that we talk about all the time. And it's been true for myself as well and for Ellie as well. It's been so incredible for me to get to know her so well over the last few years. And it's kind of funny because when she started working with me, I I had no idea that she's actually in my city. She's in Kansas City. We start working together and she's incredible. She's made huge changes in her life. And Now we actually walk together, right? I have this hike that I love to do. You've probably seen me post about it in our Facebook group. You know, it's um, about four, somewhere between four and a half and five miles. Um, it's beautiful. It's in this kind of secluded wooded area. It is a paved path. Listen, I'm not going hiking and getting bitten by snakes in the grass, whatever. But <laughs> I asked Ellie several months ago if she wanted to start joining me for a walk. And it has been phenomenal, like truly being able to connect and build a friendship. And I absolutely adore her. And also selfishly, right, then I have all this time with her that I can ask her questions. And I'm like, well, what about this? And what about that? And I read this and I saw this on TikTok. And what does this mean? (laughs) And I know I drive her crazy, but she is fantastic. She's super educated. And I also want to bring this into, for those of you that are in my member community, the Sober Society, Sober Society is getting a whole facelift. It's changing. It's evolving. I'm super excited about some of the pieces that I'm adding and all of the members will Obviously, I'll let you know when it's going live, but it's it's in flux right now. But Ellie is going to be a regular part of our new Sober Society, right? We are going to do videos together regularly talking about 
all of the topics around food and health, being mindful in the choices that we're making. Because really that was the shift for me when I got away from focusing so much on weight and it became more about caring for and nourishing my body. That's when my true change and evolution in this area really stuck and and started happening for me. I couldn't do it based on my weight. And you'll hear Ellie and I talk about that a little bit. When it was all about how I looked, it was easy for me to abandon it because it just wasn't significant enough for me. You know, I am a vain person for sure, but I'm not super shallow, right? Like I can't do things in my life just based on how I look. I was probably more that way in my 20s. I'm definitely vain. I like to be pretty. I like to take care of myself. But I'm also the person that, as you guys see in the Facebook group, like I will show up with no makeup on and do a video or post a picture with my crazy hair or my messy bun, like whatever, dude, I'm just human, you know, (laughs) and I'm okay with that. So When everything was just about my weight and how I looked, I could never get a healthful routine to stick. But when I shifted my mindset to really focus more on taking care of my body and wanting to possibly undo some of the damage I had done, that's when it had significant enough meaning for me that it started to stick. And it's a journey, you guys. This is not a simple process. As you know, it's like anything else. It ebbs and flows. Sometimes I'm so on top of my game, I surprise even myself. And sometimes I'm really off my game. And that's just how it goes. I think that's being human too. And one of the things I always try to stress is, you've heard me say it a thousand times, one of my greatest keys to success is understanding my limitations so that I can find ways to work around my limitations. There are always going to be limitations. There are things I'm not good at. There are things that I just don't like to do, right? So I have to have things in place that I can work around those kind of weak spots, if that's how you want to look at them. And food is the same way. So... I have times that I'm so on top of it and I'm cooking all my meals and I'm eating super clean and I feel great about it and that's fantastic. And then I have times that I'm freaking exhausted. I get a little pissed off about how challenging it all is. I don't feel like going to the store every other day to get my food. Sometimes I don't even want to leave the house. You hear me talk about that too. I don't even want to leave my freaking house. More or less have to go to the store or even go out to get food, right? So in those times, I have to have good solutions in those moments also. And that's what I want you to think about. This isn't about being perfect. I am not perfect in my food lifestyle, right? It ebbs and flows just like anything else. But the key is to start practicing and to start thinking about it in ways that it resonates with you and start with just some small goals. And we're going to outline all of that in this episode too. Some common mindset traps around food, you know, common struggles, things that I've been through and things that Ellie has been through. Uh, We're also going to talk about if you're just wanting to start with a fresh attitude and a fresh outlook and think, you know what, I do want to make some of these changes. Like it is time that I start thinking about this stuff and being more serious about it. Not that you're going to turn your whole lifestyle upside down overnight, right? Don't be ridiculous and don't set unrealistic expectations for yourself. But you just want to start 
making some small changes to feel good about yourself and to treat your body better. And we've got a ton of solutions to offer in that as well. And Ellie is going to recommend a book that's a great place to start when you're in the beginning of your food journey or you want to start over in your food journey with a new, fresh perspective. Uh, I'm so glad that I can share Ellie with you guys. I'm so grateful to her for being open to coming on this episode and for being open to becoming a part of our Sober Society member community. We're going to talk about incredible stuff in there and really get some amazing tools and things so that you can be working toward a more healthful lifestyle overall, because that's really what Sober Society is all about. And I will link Sober Society in the show notes all also, so you can get there. Um, it's on myrecoverytoolbox.com. There's a tab for Sober Society membership. You can always find it there. I'll link it in the show notes. I love you guys. Here's Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode with me. I'm so excited to have this conversation and really even to get to ask you questions myself about nutrition and food and all that good stuff. So why don't we take a minute and just let everybody know a little bit about you and what you do? Well, thank you for having me. Yes, I am a nutrition and health coach, also a yoga instructor. Pretty much what I do is I help my clients trying to figure out which way of eating is best for them, how to stick to their goals, how to accomplish their goals, and just kind of advocate for themselves at home, at the doctor, so that they're not persuaded. You know what's best for your body. You've lived with it for your whole life. Don't let anybody else tell you different. I know. And I love that. When you and I first started talking about this, that's one of my favorite pieces about what you do because... I know for me, I'm not a person that has gone to the doctor a lot in my life. I've been very blessed to not have illness and things like that. But at this stage of life, for sure, being perimenopausal, I've definitely had to, and just getting older, right? Like you want to stay on top of things and make sure that you're okay as you're aging because things definitely change. And I've had that experience where doctors can be so dismissive and and not offer any guidance. It's like, I get it that you know more than me. Like, I get it. You went to medical school. I'm just on Google. But exactly what you said, it's like, I have lived in my body for 50 years. I know when things don't feel right. I know when something is off. And I've definitely had that experience recently where people just want to brush you off. Like you don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing they can do, but without even offering any education as to like why there's nothing they can do. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have definitely been dismissed and, you know, myself and pretty educated and know what labs to ask for and asking them. And they're like, well, they're questioning me. And I just kind of want to be like, I mean, if I'm paying for them, just order them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I did, you know, I mean, but now some insurances won't pay for all the labs. So there is, you do have to be careful of that as I have found out as well on that, but it's okay to question the doctors. They're human. I mean, you meet with them maybe once for 20 minutes every year. They don't know what's going on the rest of the year. So forming them, what's going on with you and also doing your own research before you go in to the doctor. And it's also helpful to be to start that journey before you go in. For instance, you know, if you're having gut issues, maybe doing an elimination diet, 
to kind of figure out what is going on with that, if that helps, because sometimes that's what they're, you know, what they will recommend. Mm -hmm. So what was it for you that interested you in this field of study? Like what made you want to pursue this in education and make it a career? I mean, I've always been interested in nutrition and fitness. I mean, since preteen, I always remember going down into the basement, working out on my mom's Aerodyne bicycle, reading the Shape magazine. I don't know. I just was always striving for that perfect body, you know, perfect weight, you know, because then everything else I thought would be perfect in my life. And lo and behold, that's not a real expectation. (laughs) It's weird how that doesn't all happen, right? (laughs) I know. It's so strange. (laughs) Um, But as I got older, you know, things are creeping up, injuries, health, minor health issues, and then just kind of doing my own detective work on my body and advocating for myself with doctors. And if one won't, then find one that will order the test for you. Or there's a lot of doctors out there that are very helpful and will listen. And they're really great. But I don't want to go to them and pay a lot of money on things that I can do myself. Changing my environment, my lifestyle, so that I'm not waking up in pain. I'm recovering more from injuries. I still injure myself, unfortunately, you know, and I'm pretty healthy now. Yeah. I think... I've learned so much about food and the effects of food on our bodies in the last several years. And that was one of the reasons really when you and I started having these conversations, I thought it was so important to have a bigger conversation about it. And uh, just to let all the listeners know, you know, like Ellie said, she is a nutrition and health coach. And this is some, I'm such a big advocate for really understanding ourselves and our bodies. And so we're going to make this a regular thing with Ellie inside the Sober Society membership. And we're going to be doing videos on all of these topics because it's all so overwhelming. And there are so many things out there. And one of my biggest frustrations with food and nutrition is it's like, as soon as you find somebody that you really like and they kind of resonate with you and they'll give you like their idea of what the quote unquote rules are. And then five minutes later, you come across another person that says all of that stuff is wrong. And it just gets so overwhelming when you're trying to do the right things and you're trying to make good choices and treat your body right. But there's so much contradictory information out there. So I want to get a lot into that, but I definitely wanted to let the audience know that this is going to be a regular conversation with you and I talking about a lot of these topics and our struggles with food and and being very healthy and mindful with it. Not This isn't about weight or losing weight. Like Everybody has that goal somewhere, you know, or a lot of people do, and we can be very unhealthy with that. And I had to remove that focus entirely from my lifestyle. You know, when I started really exercising and all of those things, I had to get that part of it out of my head because it didn't allow me to stick to it, right? I would never stick to a plan just based on what I look like, right? It had to have deeper meaning for me for it to be important enough that I go even when I don't want to, you know, or even when I don't feel like it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of the things I wanted to ask you is... Did your personal journey with recovery have an effect on your food or your relationship with food? Because 
as people with addiction, right, we're so compulsive anyway. Like most of us have food issues, boys and girls. Like we tend to gravitate toward food, especially when we get sober. So did you have some of those experiences as well? Oh, yeah. For me, I mean, it just kind of went hand in hand. I gave up alcohol almost two years ago. And my relationship with food has been a real struggle the majority of my life. I mean, definitely an emotional eater. And, you know, when you, as you know, like with drinking and avoidance, you know, for eating, it was avoidance and (laughs) filling some hole and not wanting to gain weight, especially when I started. And I just had to really give myself permission to just kind of let it go. And I love sugar. And I was just like, you know what, the first 30 days, you can have as much as you want, all the gummies in the world, all the chocolate, whatever, as long as you're not drinking, you're good. And it extended into 60 days, which was fine. And I didn't gain a horrible amount of weight. And I just had to know like, okay, you probably are. It's fine. You can work on that when you're further along in your recovery. You know, when you when you're able to, when things get a little bit easier, when you have that grasp of not drinking or not using, and then also trying to use nutrition to help you in the recovery, trying to eat healthy and not going to McDonald's or going through a drive through or anything. But again, I still allowed myself, I had to have a treat every night. As time went on, the treats got a little bit easier, or I guess more healthy, incorporating dark chocolate instead of the gummies maybe actual portion size instead of the whole bag, you know, but (laughs) that was what got me through that first couple months. I mean, even to the first year was just to be like, okay, you can do it. It's fine. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah. I think you have to be that way in the first year for sure, because you can only tackle so many things at once. And when you're quitting something as big as quitting drinking or as big as changing your eating habits, both of those things are huge. Or quitting smoking, right? Like there's all these mm-hmm. major things. You have to focus on one. Like one has to be your primary focus. And you can figure out the other stuff later, you know, but you can't tackle all of those things at the same time. And I'm sure there's, you know, like three people in the world that can, but the majority of us cannot. (laughs) So that's really the best way to be. Just focus on one thing and give yourself some grace, right? Like there's a lot A lot in your life is changing, you're growing, and you just don't want to stress yourself out because that's what will take you back to drinking for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I just, I I wanted to make it as easy as possible for myself to be successful in getting sober and recovering and learning all, learning to feel my feelings and all that fun stuff (laughs) that I hadn't been doing. (laughs) All that fun stuff. (laughs) Yes, I'm still learning. (laughs) So, I know you're probably, you're so tired of hearing me in this rant, but (laughs) no, now we're actually recording and the rant will be useful. (laughs) Another frustration for me is there are so many things, you know, there's of course no sugar. You always hear that drink a gallon of water a day, intermittent fasting, like keto diet, Mediterranean diet. You have to work out, um, exercise five days a week, get 10,000 steps a day, low carb, high fiber. Like it's so mm-hmm. much stuff and it is 
overwhelming because I know for me, and I assume if I feel it, then a lot of other people feel it because I'm just a regular human. Uh, I got to a place that I start to feel like I can't do anything right. It's very defeating and just feeling like nothing I'm doing is quote unquote right, whatever that is. <laughs> so yes. I would love for you to shed some light on <laughs> like how would you recommend somebody start figuring out like what's the right thing for them or what are the right couple of things? I mean, obviously I think, especially out of everything I mentioned, you're going to do more than one of those, you know, but Mm -hmm. like, how do you recommend somebody start figuring it out and kind of wade through the noise and figure out what's right for them? Right. Well, first I would recommend to figure out where they're at. And in order to do that is some sort of food journal exercise journal. I mean, even if it's taking a photo of your meals all throughout the day, everything you eat, just take a, you know, a photo of it. And then, and then you actually have to look back at it and then kind of go from there. And then, you know, you can assess your own needs. I mean, for instance, for me, you know, I did it and I still do. I want a treat every day. And, you know, some days I don't have it only because you know, maybe I, I just don't want it that day. And that's fine. You know, I give myself permission for that. And so your treat every day is 3pm, a bag of Skittles, maybe before you even eat some of the Skittles, take 10 out, and then eat the rest of the bag. I mean, just something as simple as that. You know, if you're not working out or anything, go outside and just walk around the block. Something as simple as that, you know, the 10,000 steps a day was just to mark, it's just started as a marketing campaign back in the 60s. I mean, yeah, you want to move more. So if you're only getting a 1000 steps, you know, maybe work towards 1100 the next day and, you know, just slowly building up. And 10,000 steps a day takes some commitment. Like that is not an easy situation, especially as a busy person, you know, and like, I lowered mine to Mm -hmm. (laughs) 7500. Because And I still don't often hit 7,500, you know, and I want to say that because I don't want people to have unrealistic expectations. Like even 7,500 steps a day is, that's a lot. Like that takes a long time and we're all busy and, and can be sedentary for sure. Like Mm -hmm. I stand up to work most of the time and that's kind of my way of evening things out. So I'm not just sitting all the time. But I don't always have an hour to just go walk, you know? So sometimes like when I go to the gym and do a class, then I'll go get on the treadmill for 10 minutes or something to get more steps, you know? And again, not just be sitting down. But it's like that in itself. The gallon of water thing too, I thought was crazy. First, I thought I would be able to do it no problem because I drink a lot of water anyway. But I started trying to do it and I was like, this is insanity, Like, (laughs) and I know lots of people that do it, but for me, I, and I tried for a couple of weeks, like I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. It did not fit for me. Oh yeah. I mean, drink when you're thirsty. I mean, maybe I wouldn't suggest drinking like right before a meal because you really want your digestive juices to help digest your food. But you know, in between meals, sip on water. I would try to reach for water before a diet Coke or anything else that's sugary but if you think you're thirsty, you know, just have a drink of water. It's fine. I drink a ton of water. I mean, but I like to, and I've, I've always have, it's, you know, it's a nice sweat. I'm an easy sweater. That's probably too much information, but whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, just drink when you're thirsty. It's supposed to be eight glass, eight eight ounce glasses a day, right? Which is sixty four ounces. That's like the recommended amount of water. Yeah. But yeah, like a gallon is a lot. It really is a lot. And I think too, like this is where I stumble sometimes too. When something starts to feel like it's its own full-time job, then I get irritated, mm -hmm. right? So like the gallon yes. of water thing, like I had to put so much conscious energy into drinking water to try to hit that goal. Same thing with 10,000 steps or even 7,500 steps. If I really wanted to do that every day, I would have to map it on my calendar or take time out. Like it just becomes too much when you're already a super busy person with stress and anxiety. You know, when it when it starts to feel like too much, I don't want to do it anymore. Oh, yeah. You become, a, you know, a little obsessed about it or, you you know, you're just like, well, I'm just going to drink most of it in the you know morning and, and you're kind of miserable the rest of the day, I think. Yeah. I love that you said, too, to start with a food journal because I can just feel all the resistance that everybody <laughs> had when you said that. <laughs> it was always the same way for a long time, like track your food, track your food. And I was like, F you. Mm -hmm. No, thanks. You know, yeah. <laughs> but... But it is amazing when you do that, you learn so much about, like for me, I learned a lot about my own level of denial, right? Mm -hmm. And how I will rationalize and justify things to the point that I had no connection to reality in what I was eating, how many calories I was eating, how much protein I was getting. Like, it was crazy. And I think you and I were talking about this the other day. I realized when I started actually looking at the calories I was consuming, because I made all these huge changes in my lifestyle and huge changes in how and what I eat, and I didn't lose any weight. And I was like, well, what the heck is going on? You know, so I finally got frustrated enough at the beginning of this year. I actually started looking at my calories, right? Where they say you have to be in a calorie deficit to lose fat. Like that's just science. That's how it is. I had a lot of resistance around that idea as well. Like I was not a fan of that. <laughs> and yeah. I thought because I had made such major changes in my head, I should have automatically been in a calorie deficit because I wasn't eating cheeseburgers and French fries every meal or like going to Taco Bell or, you know, Chipotle. Like I had cut so much bad stuff and I was eating clean and whatever. So I felt like I should automatically be in a calorie deficit. But when I started tracking my food and really looking at what I was doing, I realized I was making protein shakes that were five and 600 calories. And like, yeah. that's what I would have before my meal, you know, <laughs> and thinking in my head that I was doing something really good and healthy and powerful, you know, just not realizing it was this exorbitant amount of calories that I was drinking every day. Oh, yeah. But you can't know that stuff until you're paying attention. You can't know that stuff until you're tracking it and you're you're tracking it somehow, whether it's a food journal or your fitness app, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like you but you have to have that sense of reality to really know where you are and what you're doing before you can start making effective changes. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be every day. I mean, you know, do a weekend day and two days out of the week and you can kind of get a, a nice guesstimate of you know, what you probably should be changing, you know, especially if you're using like MyFitnessPal. I think I know that that I believe is still there's a free edition. I currently use Lifesum and that I pay for. But, you know, I can see, for instance, how many grams of sugar I eat every day. And 
you know, in most days it's higher than it probably should be, but it is what it is. <laughs> but I know that. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yes, we all are. <laughs> we all are. Okay, here's something else I would love for you to talk about. What are some common myths about food? Like things that you hear everywhere that are taken out of context or not really understood or explained well. Well, I think first that that there's just, you know, there's good food, bad food. Labeling that, we just need to get rid of that. I mean, don't punish yourself for eating the Snickers. It's what you want. It's fine. As long as you're not having it three times a day, every day, you're in, you'll be okay. But like meat is bad. I mean, meat is it's good for you. It has iron, protein. You know, yes, it does have saturated fat, but we also need that. Butter, real butter is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when you pile it on, you know, your bread or your or potatoes, you know, that that's where it kind of can affect your health. I mean, those are just some of them. Oh, goodness. What else is there? When you say meat, are you talking about red meat? Yes. Yeah, red meat, because everyone thinks it's so fat. And well, I mean, which kind of meat you're buying is also important. You know, you do want more like a grass fed type of meat if you can afford that. Um, You know, eggs, egg whites, you should only be eating the eggs whites. No, I mean, that's the yolk is where the nutrients are. So it's not bad to have eggs. I mean, as long as you're not having a dozen a day, again, it's, you know, you don't, and this isn't giving you permission to go out and eat McDonald's either. It's just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's just be reasonable. What about bacon? Because forever bacon had this bad reputation and it's so fat. Mm -hmm. And then with low carb diets, it full swing the other direction. Everybody's eating bacon, you know, like what is the truth of bacon? You don't want the bacon that's already pre-cooked you know, which where you just microwave it, that bacon probably isn't going to be the best for you because of the additives and things like that. Look for bacon that doesn't have added sugar. Um, they do put a lot of sugar in bacon, but you know, bacon isn't, it's going to be okay. Don't eat it daily. Put a little bit of bacon in your salad. I love bacon in my salad. You know, if that's what's going to get me to eat more greens, go for it. I mean, again, right. I'm not putting in a ton, but just enough, you know, to where you can taste that flavor and cook your own bacon. And cook your own bacon. Yeah, I never yeah. thought about that, but that makes sense. I mean, pre-cooked bacon would be convenient. Like, of course, mm-hmm. I love the idea of that because I'm all about making it as simple as possible. But but yeah, you're right. Like, it would be full of preservatives, which is, you know, sugar and salt, really. I was a week ago 100% against it. Now I guess I'm more 50% against it because I bought it. Because <laughs> I just wanted something convenient for right now in my life. And I will get back to baking, you know, my own bacon. But for right now, it's, that's just what I'm going to do. And it's, and I'll be just fine. Yeah, I think that's an important point, too, that it's not about figuring out a lifestyle or meal plan. And that's what you're doing forever. Like, mm-hmm. my meal plan, how I eat what I eat, like ebbs and flows so much because there are different times, you know, we all like my mood changes. Like sometimes I love to cook all my meals and I'll be really Mm -hmm. great at it for a while. And then I hit times like right now I'm super overwhelmed with it all. And I'm very short on time and I'm very short on patience. So I went back to some of the frozen meals, you know, Mm -hmm. the healthier versions, but 
but frozen meals because listen, dude, right now I need to be able to just throw it in the microwave and move on with my life. Like I can't, I don't have the bandwidth to worry about it so much right now. And then I'll get through this phase and I'll be in a whole different phase and I'll probably eat nothing but tacos for a month because I like to do that too. (laughs) But yes, it isn't like you pick something and that's what you do forever. It really is just figuring out healthier solutions. For me, I just have to figure Mm -hmm. out healthier solutions than the most convenient stuff because the most convenient and my most favorite is definitely not good for me. Right. And I mean, I mean, the main takeaway is eat as many foods that you find in nature as possible. So I mean, foods that aren't processed. So, you know, real meat, real fruit, real vegetables, that type of thing. Try to limit the processed stuff. Try to cook your food. I mean, when you can. I mean, you know, you do go through phases. Sometimes it's just a matter of energy. I don't know how many. I would have to go to the store, get my stuff, immediately come home and chop it up and do this stuff. If I didn't do that immediately, it's just going to rot in the fridge. It just... Yeah, Yeah, especially as a especially (laughs) as a single person, like that's the truth. Like I can only shop for two, maybe three days worth of food at a time. So Mm -hmm. that's a whole other level of inconvenience, right? And where I can get super overwhelmed because I'll try to buy more things at one time, and then I'm throwing half my groceries away because I don't get to them, and. Mm -hmm. That is equally frustrating, right? So it's like this vicious cycle of stuff. And that's really where I had to kind of put the brakes on and reevaluate because I don't like feeling that way because I get mad and then I'm getting resentful about food and having to eat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just feed me and let me move on with my freaking life. You know, (laughs) like it just gets to feel like too much. (laughs) Yes, it is. It can be a full-time job. (laughs) Yeah, and and exactly what we were saying, like sometimes I'm totally cool with that and I'm on top of my game and I can manage that and other times I can't, right? I just don't have the bandwidth to do it, but I have to have solutions for both phases <laughs> you know? yeah. that are still pretty good. Okay, so what would you say, like what for somebody just starting this journey today with a fresh new outlook and a high motivation and ready to jump in and make some good healthy changes, What, where would you tell them to start? Definitely with the food journal and also record like in that journal, like time your meals. I know I need to slow down. You need to chew your food. You need to breathe, taste your food. That's a big thing. Like I love pizza. And then it's like, oh, I'm stuffed after two pieces and I didn't really chew much of it. <laughs> I just like ate it way too fast. You know, start slowly, focus on one or two things. Sugar, figure out where your sugar intake is. Sugar is in everything, just about everything that is processed. So look at the, you know, check your labels, find out what sugar, how much sugar you're eating, and then decrease by 10 grams to start out with. Maybe increase your protein consumption. That will help you stay full longer. Have some fat, good fat, like butter, olive oil. Butter is more of a neutral fat. But like, you know, olive oil, avocado oil, things like that. And then sleep. Sleep is really important. It helps you recover. I know. I didn't I didn't know how important sleep was in 
in yeah. diet stuff. Like I didn't know about that connection either. That's crazy. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like when I read about it, I was like, oh yeah, duh. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. I, because I know that I know how important sleep is in other things, mm-hmm. even skincare, right? Cause I'm obsessed with skincare. Like I know how important it is. So it made sense. I just had never connected it. Yeah. I mean, sleep is really important. I mean, w- just think about like the times that you are lack of sleep and, you know, you get up, you have your coffee and then you have some kind of sugary breakfast of some sort. And then, you know, the whole day, you know, dragging and I need more sugar, more caffeine just to get me through. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's recap a couple Mm -hmm. of those really quickly for a place to start. Mm -hmm. Food journal. Food journal, decrease your sugar, maybe increase your protein a bit. Decrease sugar, increase protein and sleep. That's a really great Mm -hmm. place to start. Like that's not too overwhelming at all. That's a really good place to start. And you're right. Sugar is in everything. Yeah. And eat what you like. Well, listen, you can't tell me to eat what I like and then tell me to curb sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Because, Because those two things don't go together at all. Okay. I would live on ice cream Ice cream and gummy candy all day, every day. If I if I had my way, that is absolutely true. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> what I mean is, don't be eating. Don't try to force yourself. Being like, oh, I need to eat Brussels sprouts because that's the you know everyone's eating Brussels sprouts. If you don't like Brussels sprouts, don't eat them. It's not you're not gonna want to eat it, and then you're gonna fall off the wagon and. Then I get resentful. Yeah, I get resentful. Yeah, and that's when that's where protein shakes really came in for me because I'm not a vegetable lover, but I can get mm-hmm. a, I can take a handful of like spinach and kale and put it in a protein shake, and I'm golden. You know, so it just it's me. I'm getting my greens, fresh greens, and I feel good about that because I will never in my lifetime eat enough vegetables in a day. Like it's just not who I am, and it is a struggle. It's definitely a struggle. So I have to figure mm-hmm. out hacks as usual. I'm always figuring out the hack, but <laughs> I have to figure out how to make it yes. work for me. But yeah, you're right. It does. It's not worth it to try to force yourself to eat stuff you don't like and then beat yourself up because you don't like it. Right. That doesn't help at all. No, it's not. Yeah. And I do that. I have definitely done that a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, when I was, I was recording my stuff, I was just like yesterday, I was like, oh, I haven't eaten any vegetables. Well, oh well, I'll try again tomorrow to eat something. But then I'm like, well, I'll live. Tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> Better luck next week. <laughs> okay, last thing, uh, book recommendation. What's a good book that you would tell somebody, especially uh, again, like think of the person like just starting out, like not saying that you've never tried to make changes in your diet before, but maybe today you're just starting out with a fresh outlook and thinking, you know what, let me simplify this mm-hmm. to be more successful and not have crazy expectations on myself. What's a good book for that person? I really enjoyed reading. Um, it's called Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? And it's by Dr. Mark Hyman. It just kind of explains a lot of the food myths. He goes through a lot of the different, all the different categories. And then there's recipes in there. And it's a good starting point just to kind of get over the whole diet scenario and just to be back to just eating 
food for health and enjoyment. I love that. That's perfect. Ellie, thank you again for coming on and talking about this stuff. And I hope everybody's excited to see. I mean, anybody that's already in sober society probably knows you and has seen you in there, but um, really excited to make this <laughs> a feature in our sober society membership because these conversations are huge. You know, these are struggles that we're all having. Oh, yes, yeah, definitely. I'm excited and thank you for having me. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.